Welcome to Unwanted Guests, the podcast that teaches you about insects and other pests that may join you in and around your home. It's brought to you by Texas A&M AgriLife Extension and the Texas A&M Department of Entomology. We're your hosts, Wizzy Brown, Robert Puckett, Molly Keck, and Janet Hurley. So now that, um, well, I'm going to say that COVID is kind of ramping down, we're getting over the Omicron curve and with spring break approaching, more people seem to be venturing out and possibly dipping their toe in the waters of performing traveling. So today we are going to be talking about bed bugs, which I think is probably everyone's favorite topic, right? Um, but we're going to talk about it in the sense of travel. So how can you avoid getting them and bringing them home? And when you are traveling, what you can do to inspect for them? And if you find them, then what do you do? So who wants to kick off with just kind of talking about what bed bugs look like and that sort of thing? I always love talking about what bed bugs look like. Um, well, to me, I always say that bed bugs are about the shape and size and color of an apple seed. And um, a lot of people think they're microscopic and you can't even see them, but they're actually larger than even fleas are. And I think most people that have pets have an idea of how those are visible, although they're small, but, but a bed bug is larger than that. It's kind of reddish in coloration. They have an incomplete life cycle, which means that they gradually grow to become an adult. So they, they do have a range of size from just out of the egg very, very hard to see with your naked eye to the apple seed type size. Uh, but even the small ones, once they've kind of hardened up a little bit, they have that reddish kind of like a mahogany color to them, I guess, like a wood piece of furniture and they are flattened like a pancake. They don't have wings. I can very much understand why people would confuse them for ticks because they do to me, at least resemble ticks quite a bit maybe a little bit larger in the fully adult form um, than a tick is, uh, but still kind of that same general shape and count, count your legs people. That's right. They only have six legs. They have three separate body parts, which to me are easy to see, but, but that's because I know what I'm looking for. So I think for most people, it just looks like a headish area and then a big body. Um, what else they, I said, they don't have wings. Um, well, color and shape can change because if you have an unfed bed bug, it's going to look a different shape and color than if you have one that is fully engorged and has a blood meal that it's digesting. Right. Even in the baby forms, they can, they kind of elongate when they, when they fill up with blood. Um, what else? They have antenna. You, you can see the antenna, but they are pretty small are pretty thin, I guess, and short. So it's not overly obvious, like say a butterfly's antenna are. And the eggs of them just, they, they kind of look like specks of dust to me. I mean, you, you may be able to see them with the naked eye, depending on, you know, your vision and, <laughs> and I guess, um, you know, if you're looking in the right place for them, but they're, they're very tiny, but you can see them. But a lot of times people will mistake them for just kind of, I don't know, fluff or debris or whatever. Yeah. The, the eggs are interesting, right? Cause they're, um, as you say, they're small and sort of translucent and 
um, it's it, they're they're one of those things that until somebody it almost requires somebody showing them to you first for you to develop a search image. You know, when you're sort of scanning around on you know materials that you think might be infested, and it, it will, once you know what you're looking for, you can spot them almost immediately. But until you get a little bit of training to see them, it's kind of difficult. I think they look like little grains of salt. Cause yeah. like you say, they're translucent. They're, I mean, in pictures, they look shiny, but to me, they look like salt. Okay. So, um, you know, we talked about people traveling and so now we kind of know what to look like, which if you or look for, if you guys don't have a good image in your head, then Google some pictures <laughs> because you will find a ton of them. Um, Robert, do you want to talk a little bit about what they do, um, a little bit about their feeding and why that may or may not be a problem for people? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but before I talk about feeding, I think, you know, as we talk about, you know, folks that are traveling either, uh, for, um, you know, business or pleasure. I think it's really important that we have a brief conversation about sort of the social stigma that surrounds bed bugs. And this sort of dovetails into um, this discussion about, you know, traveling and looking for them and thinking, being aware of bed bugs, or at least the possibility that you can encounter them. Um, you know, I've, I've said many times, I, I can ask, um, you know, and I've done this many times, a, a class of undergrads that might have 200 students in it, you know, when we talk about bed bugs, I'll say, okay, so show hands, who's, who's seen bed bugs before? I've never had any student raise their hand and say that they've had them. And this sort of goes for like head lice too. And unfortunately that's the result of, because you know, many of these students have, have dealt with bed bugs before, right? Um, and, and that is just simply the result of this unfortunate social stigma that surrounds bed bugs. And the, the point of mentioning this is that they don't discriminate, right? So, you know, as people think about, I mean, I've heard people say things like, well, I wouldn't want to stay in that hotel or motel. Looks like bed bugs to me, right? And they would rather spend their money, their travel dollars on a much more expensive hotel, which in many cases is just as likely to have bed bugs as a, a less expensive hotel, right? Or motel. Yeah. Um, because, I always tell people it's, it's the luck of the draw. I mean, yeah. if you happen to get in that room or be in that space and get transferred, then you know, that's, th that's just what's going to happen. That's exactly right. And, and so, I also say it's not a matter of if you get bed bugs, it's more of a matter of when. That's right. Especially if you travel a bunch or if you, or if you have people over to your house that, that spend time traveling or, or, you know, if you have a lot of people cycling through your, your house, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a significant chance that you're going to encounter them. And I think, you know, those of us, I've also told this story many times before, but, but, you know, like, I mean, I, th I think probably you guys do this too. We travel a lot in our, in our profession. And um, especially if we go to an entomology meeting somewhere where you get like thousands of entomologists in a hotel, we always find them, right? I mean, this is almost always the case. You hear about somebody who had bed bugs in the room. And the reason for that is that we're so aware of them that we're looking for them. And so I, I've actually not ever run into them when I was traveling, but I have, you know, one of our meetings, you guys will remember, um, I won't say what city we were in or what hotel chain, but we all stayed in the same hotel and some of our colleagues found them in their room and they got moved to an, another room, a fairly long, long distance away from their first room and they found them again. 
right? But I didn't find him in my room and I don't think any of you guys found him in your rooms if you're at that meeting, if you remember the one I'm talking about. Yes, I remember that one. I did not have them in my room, but I have found them in another room that I was staying in and right. we switched. Well, actually they didn't have any more rooms at that hotel. So I completely changed hotels. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as you say, I mean, it really sort of boils down to luck of the draw. We are in the middle of a global bed bug resurgence and we can talk about why later. Um, but the reality is that they're, they're very commonplace now and that's sort of unsettling for people. But I, but I think, you know, I tell folks when they travel, you know, I get a lot of people ask me about this. I know you guys do too. Um, as you've already mentioned, um, as, as Molly mentioned, you, you, these aren't difficult insects to see. And I think that's one thing that people have to sort of get through their heads. These are not microscopic organisms. Um, these are insects that are quite large as adults. And so if you know where to look, or, the, or at least the, the, um, the areas that have the highest probability of harboring bed bugs in a room, then you can, you know, you can gain some confidence that you're sleeping by yourself if you're traveling by yourself and not with a, a load of bed bugs. And, and those sort of really commonplace areas, especially in, in hotel rooms, include um, first and foremost, the areas around the mattress. So what I tell people to do is always turn up the corners of the mattress, at least a couple of them. Um, if you're a gambler, if you're not, um, turn them all up and you're going to have to remake the bed probably, but you want to look for bed bugs themselves, an aggregation of adults and or nymphs. Um, but maybe even more importantly, you look on the mattress ticking for the telltale signs of bed bug activity, and that is their feces. And so their feces is sort of, I mean, it's gross, but it's, it's sort of liquid and, and um, reddish in color as a result of the blood meal that they've taken. And so they, when they deposit their feces on a fabric, you can imagine it sort of, um, it's absorbed by the fibers and it creates a quite larger spot than the original spot that, that, they, uh, that they dropped on it as it spreads through the fibers. And so these tend to be pretty large. And if you've got a, an ongoing infestation, you'll have lots of that material and it's not very difficult to spot. And then, you know, moving away from the bed, I tell people to look in nightstands and the drawers, but, but, but um, it's really important to understand these guys can hide in, un I mean, really, really tight spaces. The first time that I went into an infestation um, intentionally, we found them between the, uh, the wooden members of a bunk bed and the space where I found them was was just wide enough to slip a, a business card into. And of course, when I slid it through that space, they all came flopping out on the bed and there they were. Um, but yeah, so you check the near vicinity of the bed, the bed and the near vicinity. Um, you can look behind the headboard. Um, and then people, you know, depending on how sensitive they are to the idea of the fact that there might be bed bugs in the room, they can expand their search. Um, you know, you don't want to take apart a bunch of furniture in the room, but you know, you can look underneath the, um, the cushion and if there's a chair in the room, um, look underneath the cushion, maybe even turn the chair back and look underneath. Um, basically think to yourself, where would a human host be hanging out in this room? Um, and obviously the bed is a, an area that we, most of us use when we, when we stay a night in a hotel room and um, also chairs. And if there's a, you know, other seating furniture, a sofa, et cetera, take a look around that. And then sometimes you can find carcasses in the, um, you know, in the, in the borders of the room where the carpet meets the baseboard. You can kind of scan along those. And then, you know, beyond that, you kind of cross your fingers and 
put your put your luggage in a spot where they're unlikely to be um, infested with bed bugs. I, I tell people all the time, it's a surprise to them when they ask, like, where do you put your luggage? Well, you know, if if the uh, if you've got a porcelain tub and shower, you put your stuff in the tub. Bed bugs are not good climbers on slick surfaces. They have no problem crawling across fabrics, but um, ceramic and porcelain gives them a lot of trouble. So if you really want to be sure that bed bugs aren't going to get to your belongings, put them in the put them in the bathtub if there is one. Uh, short of that, you can use the uh, luggage stands in a room. Often, often, not always, but often they're um, fairly you know inexpensive devices that are made with like a stainless steel tubing legs and, and bed bugs have a difficult time climbing up those two. So you try to give yourself the best odds, but the reality is um, th there's always a likelihood that you're going to become in contact with bed bugs in a hotel room. So when we're dealing with bed bugs, you, you mentioned that humans are the host. So you got to mm -hmm. think where the humans are going to be. We are the preferred host of bed bugs. And essentially what that means is if there's a human and I don't know, a dog that are sleeping in the same area. The bed bugs are going to go to the humans first. And that is because they, they like feeding on us and they are finding the humans by kind of similar to like ticks and mosquitoes and any other kind of blood feeding arthropod, you know, it's going to be body heat. It's going to be the temperature that we're giving off. It's going to be carbon dioxide that we're exhaling when we're breathing. Things like that are going to help them cue into us. And they're typically considered to be nocturnal insects, but that's usually because that's when we're sleeping. It's not that they're always nocturnal because if you have somebody that is sleeping during the day, then they're going to change it up. I mean, they don't want it when you're active. They want it when you're laying there and sleeping. And same thing with location. I mean, we usually look around the bed area when we're inspecting things because that's typically where people sleep. But Robert, you mentioned that you need to also check in the seating areas because, you know, if you're hanging out there and, you know, being a couch potato or whatever, or even if it has a fold-out couch, even more, uh, you can have bed bugs in that area. Yeah. So you yeah, definitely sure. need to make sure that you're focusing on not just the bed. I know they're called bed bugs, but that's kind of a, a loose term because that's typically where people are found. Yeah, so I kind these, of put a, a real quick fine point on that. I'm, I'm working with a, a family in Southeast Texas right now. Um, uh, one of the family members is a retiree and lives in a, uh, a small apartment and she spends very little time in her bed. She spends her time in a recliner. So they don't have bed bugs in the bedroom or at least any that they can find. They're all associated with the recliner and the area in the near vicinity of the recliner. So, so as you say, it's where the hosts hang out. Well, so if you, um, if we know that they're all over the place, um, when you go into the host, the, those hotels to inspect, do you guys, what do you do with, what should you do with the luggage and your baggage and stuff like that? Cause you certainly wouldn't want to put it on the bed and then you find out you have bed bugs cause they could have crawled on it. I typically do what Robert said. If I, I put all of my stuff, either don't bring it in until I clear the room, because if you find them in the room, then you're going to have to schlep your luggage with you anyway. So you can either leave it in the car until you clear the room, or if you 
or flying, I guess you can't do that. Then I would stick it in the bathroom where I can kind of see that everything's clear. And then I, you know, check the bed and kind of expand out from there. And the other thing that I always make sure I have, um, a flashlight on my keychain that I have with me that is really bright. And that way I can kind of really see in those cracks and crevices because hotel lighting really isn't the greatest all the time. <laughs> um, so you might want to think about having just like a mini flashlight or something on your keychain, or, you know, tuck something into your toiletry bag or something that you can have there to help you actually look for the insects. I do the exact same thing, Wizzy. I think it's, it's important that people that, that tune into this podcast to hear about bed bugs understand that, that we, people that spend their time thinking about these and know about them actually engage in these activities to make sure that we don't take them home with us. So this is not a trivial affair. This is a point I'd like to make. I also like to stick my stuff in the bathtub. I mean, you said the bathroom because you can see what's going on in there, but it, in case it's like a fancier place that maybe has bath mats or something, you it's real easy to scout the bathtub and it's pretty slippery. So you know, they're not going to crawl up it and then fall in. So your stuff's usually pretty safe sitting inside the shower or the bathtub. Yeah. So these are blood feeding insects. They will take a blood meal and then once they have that blood meal, they go and hide wherever they're hiding and they stay there for a couple of days while they're digesting that blood meal. And so depending on where they're starting, I mean, wait, Robert, you, you were talking about inspecting the ticking and stuff. I usually find like, if you have them, a lot of times I find that the populations start where that tag thing is on the mattress and box spring. It's like, that's a extra little bit of something. I don't know that they like, and I find them there. And then also if you're looking at the box spring, they have those little plastic corner pieces. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't tear and they tend to like really like those and they pack themselves in there. Yeah. It's, it's like, they're, they almost operate like a, like a predaceous fish, right? Like they need structure and they associate with structure. Like you won't find them just kind of hanging out, out on the big expansive top of a mattress on a bed, wherever there's, there's structure and there's complications in the fabric. That's where they like to be. And I don't know if you remember this Wizzy, or if you noticed this, but years ago, Wizzy and I did a bed bug study on evaluating different monitoring um, techniques, strategies in homeless shelters where there's a lot of transition. And so there's a lot of bed bugs. And it, it seemed to me that, that the highest populations of bed bugs are the most activity or the most um, blood stains that I found were always on the head of the bed. And so some people, sometimes these were just like little cots. And so people were flipping their head wherever they went, and then you'd find it on all four corners but in the beds where there was obviously a headboard and a head that laid there, that seemed to be where the most activity was and on one side of the bed. So I'm assuming that's where, I don't know if it was a queen bed, that's the side that they were on, but it, it didn't ever seem to be very uniform. It was always kind of, they were congregated in one spot. Yeah. I mean, it, they're definitely clustering, but I think a lot of times it also depends on you know, how is that person sleeping? What are they? And not necessarily, you know, did you have a good night's sleep? 
but more, um, what are they wearing to bed? Because, you know, think about different people. And I know some people sleep naked. Some people just wear their skivvies. Some people have like full on pajamas where they're covered and only their heads available. So I think it's really going to depend upon what they're wearing and how much body is exposed as to, you know, the places where they're going to be, I guess. I think that's a good point. I mean, it's, it, it's a good jumping off point to talk about their sort of feeding strategy, which you've mentioned a bit. I mean, these, I get a lot of questions about, well, you know, if I went into a room that had bed bugs, will they be sort of on my body, in my clothes? And the reality is these are animals that like to feed in secrecy. Like the last thing they want is for their host to discover them because usually they'll end up pinched and squashed on the headboard, right? Um, so, so they've got a variety of different um, behavioral and physiological traits that allow them to feed without, without being discovered. And, and as you mentioned before, Wizzy, then they split, like they feed and they leave the host as quickly as they can and return to a hiding place in the near proximity of the host. So yeah, this, this dove, does dovetail into your discussion of kind of like what we wear and what, what skin is available to them as we sleep. Molly, do you want to talk about um, feeding and reactions and what may happen if someone is fed on bed bugs and what, you know, not yeah. everyone reacts, right? Yeah, right. Not everybody reacts. And I think that what science or studies have found is that the majority of people may not actually react to bed bugs. So you could wake up and you have, um, bites or red marks on your body, but the person you were sleeping next to has had no reaction at all. And you think, oh, well, they're not attracted to them. They just like me. And that's probably not the case. They're probably feeding on everybody that's in the room. It's just that some people react and the majority of people don't react. And the reactions I think can vary. Usually though, it's more of a less, less, when you think of a mosquito bite, they're, they're, um, in like raised skin after you're itching, after you scratch it, um, raised skin kind of usually stays that way, unless you're scratching it, the skin usually isn't red, but with bed bugs, it's generally a flat, uh, when it bites, you don't welt up. Um, but there will be kind of red marking. Sometimes you might find that the feeding kind of happens in a line as they go down from what I understand, a vein or a capillary or a blood source. Um, but if you, you know, what they do like to do is feed on the easiest part, the most exposed part of the skin. So like you were saying, Wizzy, if you're going to bed in a onesie, then they're probably just going to be biting you around your neck and your hands, maybe in your face. But if you go to bed without a shirt on, then you're going to be bitten on the skin that's exposed. And I think that a lot of people get bed bugs and flea bites confused. And for me, uh, what I tend to tell people is if you're being bitten where the waistband is, where your socks are, where your clothes fit tightly, those are probably going to be fleas. If you're bitten on the side of your body that uh, you laid on the bed that way, they like to squeeze under things. Whereas bed bugs are lazy feeders. They want to feed where the skin is exposed and easy for them. So think about where you were bitten, kind of what it looks like. Um, but again, you can still be bitten without actually having a reaction to them. So the, the next thing I guess that we need to cover is, okay, I 
I enter the hotel room and I inspect for bed bugs and I find them. Now what happens? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to stay in that room. So um, this is where you you need to be polite. Um, but in, in, you know, try to remain calm because you are going to want to enlist the help of the people at the hotel. I mean, you don't want to cause mass panic and you don't want to, you know, go down and be like, oh my God, I found bed bugs in my room. I mean, they obviously don't want everybody to know that as well, but, you know, go to the front desk, have a conversation. You know, I found bed bugs in my room. I need another space to sleep in. And I mean, the thing is, just because you found them in your room doesn't necessarily mean that they are in every single room of that hotel. They can be in pockets. They can be in multiple pockets. I mean, Robert, you mentioned earlier that one hotel had them in two completely separate places, but those could be two completely separate infestations. And so, I mean, you really need to communicate with them, make sure that you are getting another room. And obviously you don't want it right next to the room that you just were in. So definitely talk to them about that. And when we talk about bed bugs and we talk about um, hotels or kind of multi family housing, like apartments and things like that. When you're dealing with an infestation, we talk about a clover. Does one of you want to talk about the, the clover pattern on infestations of bed bugs and why we need to be aware of that? Yeah, I, I, I'd be happy to address it. Sure. Uh, yeah. So if you think about like a, a multi-story residential unit or a hotel, um, you've got units stacked on top of one another and next to one another. So it turns out that bed bugs don't often stay put um, within one unit, right? So there's been piles of studies. Um, our colleague Ed Vargo, um, the endowed chair of urban entomology at A&M, one of his early studies using molecular techniques looked at um, the the lineage of bed bugs in a high-rise apartment building in, in North Carolina. And, and at the time, by the time they were finished studying the units that were infested with bed bugs, maybe 30%, maybe it might have been closer to 40% of the units in, in, in the apartments um, were infested with bed bugs. And the interesting thing about that study is that they they fingerprinted the, the insects from different units. And it turns out it looks it looks to be the case that all of those infested units resulted from an initial infestation in a single unit. Okay, and I want building. to say, when we say fingerprint, we're not like dipping their little tarsal claws in ink and doing that. It, no, this is no. a this DNA is a micro, fingerprint. Yeah, it's a DNA microsatellite analysis of the, of the DNA of the different- Although methods. that is a super cute image. Yeah, right, yeah, it's little ink pads. Um, yeah, so, so that translates also to, ho to hotels. So there's a group at Rutgers University that does tons of bed bug studies. And, and one of the really cool recent studies that they did was they convinced um, uh, 
a low-income housing unit to allow them to release bed bugs into apartments that were already infested with bed bugs and then do mark recapture studies throughout the building. And it turns out that their bed bugs didn't stay put either. They found them, um, uh, they, they used uh, uh, double-sided tape along the single entrance and exit in these apartments and found some of their marked bed bugs captured on the tape as they were trying to leave that unit. They found some wandering down hallways. Um, and of course, those insects could have found themselves into new units and on and on. And that's the same in, in hotels, right? So, and, and, and they and don't really- It's not just them moving like out the door and no. going down the hallway too. They can move through wall voids. Right. I was just about to address this. So if you, so, so going back to sort of the clover pattern of infestation within um, multi-unit buildings, the idea is that, well, they, they simply don't respect our, our boundaries within those residential or hotel units. They'll go underneath um, the uh, quarter round molding, underneath baseboards. They can enter around sort of electrical, um, electrical socket faceboards, enter into the wall voids, find themselves on the opposite side of the wall voids at another unit and, and off they go. And so when we think about bed bug infestations in you, you know, um, multi-unit hotels or, or apartments, we have to be thinking about the, if, if bed bugs are found in a particular unit, could they have moved also across to neighboring units, both top, above, below, and in, in all directions around that infested unit? So communicating with the hotel, um, a lot of times they may not want to recognize that they have bed bugs or they may be completely oblivious that they had them because until somebody complains, then they may not know. And the thing is, this is an ongoing thing for hotels because as you have a new person in that room, that person can reintroduce bed bugs if they're bringing them from a home that it was infested. So it may be that, you know, they have a regular service that comes out and does control or management for bed bugs. But if you have that person come in, it's all about timing. And so those bed bugs can be reintroduced. And so unless you say something, they're not going to really know that those bed bugs are there. Um, so making that making sure that you are communicating in a calm, reasonable manner, requesting a new room. And then of course, when you get into this new room, you need to start that process all over again. It's not just a, oh, okay, you know, I've, I've got that done. Now I can just flop on the bed. No, we need to go back to luggage in the tub or in the bathroom and starting to inspect the bed and the rest of the room to see if that room has bed bugs. And you know, you just continue the process until you find yourself in a room that doesn't have them. And then, you know, you can relax and chill out. And hopefully, you know, that's that's gonna be the first try, which is usually the case in my experience. I mean, for all the traveling that I've done over the years, I've only found them in one hotel room that I've stayed in. And, you know, it was taken care of. And we obviously didn't stay there um, and they shut down the room and they were very, very grateful that we pointed that out to them and that they knew about it because they could then contact their pest management people to come in and take care of that problem before it really got worse and expanded. 
All right. Is there anything else we need to cover with hotels? No, I think just reiterating what you guys are saying, it's all about timing and just if you're lucky or not, and it doesn't have anything to do with a a nice hotel versus a, a cheaper hotel. It's just who was there before you and where did they go before you? And it's just, it, you know, getting and encountering bed bugs are just kind of a, a, a fact of life these days that in the fact that we travel so much and go so many places. So if you need more in- information on bed bugs or other arthropods, contact or go to extensionentomology.tamu.edu. Thanks for listening.